Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Noter Francesco, and I am joined, as always, by my grandpa, Husker Dan, from Husker Max, in the beautiful city of Omaha, Nebraska. Grandpa, how are you this fine Sunday, January Sunday afternoon here? Yeah, well, we, I heard that there's a big event coming up next Friday. I don't know if you're about <laughs> the holiday. It's, uh, it's yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tell them how old you're going to be. I'll be 17 coming up this Friday, yeah. Oh, I have ties older than you. You know that. <laughs> 17, my Lord. Yeah. That was, that was a long time ago for me. But anyhow, that's gonna, what are you going to do on your day? Well, I, have no, I have no clue yet. We'll see. I don't know. I Probably dinner or something like that. I don't know. Cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, we got some. There's NFL playoff games going on right now. I mean, it's like yeah. the perfect time of year. Uh, it's still football going on, but the the Bengals are winning 14-7 right now. If I don't know what the yeah. score is, but yeah. Um, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, we have quite a bit to talk about uh, yeah. this week. We're gonna start off with just some upfront news stuff real quick here. Uh, we have some Nebraska volleyball stuff, and then we're going to talk about uh, touch on the basketball and women's the men's and women's basketball team real quick as well. Uh, Whitney Lorenstein, a six-two outside hitter from Waverly, Nebraska, um, just decided, uh, or sorry, um, she's not going to be playing for Nebraska uh, in these this next season, I believe. Or she was committed to Nebraska, and now she's uncommitting. Is that how this is working? No, she's been a she was been a big player. Um, but she just she had a death in the family. Her dad died just about a year ago, and uh, so there's probably some family reasons there. I, she was a she was a girl who just worked her way up. She was, you know, she wasn't uh, as polished as she needed to be to play for a program like Nebraska's, and she just uh, worked her tail off and became a a really great player. But now she's just uh, she's just opting out of the program. It, it, you would think it takes so long, so much effort, time, skill, practice to to get into a program like Nebraska's and to, to make a, a lineup in there and then to suddenly just quit it. It seems it's it's I mean, I hope everything's all right. I'm, I, I, yeah. I just hope, you know, wish her well and whatever she's going to do. But yeah, uh, tough loss for Nebraska, but they have a lot of talent. Um as we've mentioned the last couple of years, I think, including this year, they've they've had the number one uh, recruiting class in the country. So it's I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of talent, but experienced talent, that's another thing that you hate to see go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we've seen that in the transfer portal all around. You see, um, for example, Ernest Hausman leaving Nebraska. I mean, not super experienced, but he had so much potential, and you just see that. Yeah. And uh, but that's that's just how this works now. So, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we hope the best for her and just whatever she decides to do. So, yeah, uh, let's move on. Husker men's basketball. Another injury uh, that could a player just could be out for the rest of the year. Emmanuel uh, Banduomel. Is that how you pronounce that last name? Uh, Banduomel. Yeah. Bendel, uh, he he joins uh, Juwan Gary uh, on their IR list, I guess. Um, Gary's, I think he's scheduled to have shoulder surgery rather soon, or has already had it, uh, but he's out for the year. And then uh, Manuel's probably going to be out for the year as well here too. Uh, Nebraska played at Penn State last night, and they lost 
by 11 points, but they missed 11 free throws. So do the math <laughs> and figure out that they would be tied if they would have made those 11 free throws. That's just something that is an excuse. It's free throws. Like, I, I don't know how many they got the entire game, but still, missing 11 is a big deal. You had, like I had to feel like you'd have to get... I don't know, a, a, like over 40 free throws in order to make 11 feel somewhat like an excusable thing. Um, but there's no way you get over 40 free throws in a basketball game. There's no, you don't get 20 fouls. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Um, Penn State we're, was a winnable game for the Huskers, too. That's, you know, you don't have that many left. And I I don't know. It's going to be tough to – I mean, I don't, I don't know what – what Trev Albert's magic number or what he is looking for exactly to, uh, to reassure him that, uh, that uh, Hoiberg needs to show up for another year. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like this is the, this is the debate we're having with Scott Frost at the beginning of the year. Yeah. What does he need to do in order to get to have yeah. Trev Albert say, okay, you're good to stay. And then we had the same question with uh, Mickey Joseph. What does he need to do in order for Trev Albert to say, okay, now you're the actual head coach instead of the interim. Right. Um, luckily that, I mean, uh, luckily or unluckily, however you view it, that decision was made for him uh, through Mickey's actions. But uh, I don't know this. I feel like there's a part of me that says, okay, like this team isn't great, but, I feel like they should keep Hoiberg on for at least one more year just because of the amount of injuries he's had. Like, Nebraska showed potential. Like, they beat Creighton when Creighton was looking really good to be to be yeah. better without Kalkbrenner uh, at that point in time, I think. Um, and they've beaten some – they gave Pat Purdue a run for their money. They took him overtime. Uh, it's just been the injuries have killed Nebraska this year, and it's them coming so early and so in, in, in such high of a – I guess demand, not demand, but like it, it's so much of a cost where you lose like one of your, you're probably your best player in Juwan Gary for the entire year. Um, and it's going to have to be the same Grizzle show the rest of the way from Nebraska, which is, I, I mean, you can't really have a one man band and expect to succeed in the Big Ten at all. So I don't know what we'll see coming up from Hoiberg this uh, in the off season. Mike, Nebraska's not going to do any. Their men's team's not going to do anything March Madness wise, Big Ten tournament wise. But we'll we'll see. They got hot at the end of last year and then almost started progressing a little bit in the Big Ten tournament. So we'll see what they have to do uh, there. But as you said, winnable game that they should have won against Penn State last night and. Just get, didn't get the job done, so that's that's they're, something they're that you stud, have to do. Their stud is Derek Walker. I mean, or Derek Walker, sorry, yes, but Juwan Gary was still one of their key players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but and then Walker, this is this is his last year, so he won't be around next year. And, and you 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 look at Walker, Derek Walker, and you say that guy is going to be the success in the NBA. He is he is that good, I believe. Um, and uh, and you just wonder where that program would be without him. I and yeah, lose Gary and to lose uh, uh, Bendemol is is it's I don't know. I I feel for Fred because this could have been a chance he had maybe and he beat Creighton as you said uh, could have been a chance that maybe he uh, you know makes it to the tournament Big Ten maybe wins a game or two and maybe yeah uh, maybe NIT I don't know something. Yeah, and I feel like this year, especially if, if Nebraska somehow manages to get to the NIT tournament, which is a long shot, that would be yeah. a huge success for, for oh, this yeah. Nebraska team with just how many injuries you've had. But 
I, as I said, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll, we'll keep track of them. But uh, let's move on to Husker women's hoops real quick here. They uh, hosted Maryland this afternoon. The game just finished. I believe they lost by nine. I could be wrong. Let me check the score real quick. Uh, no, sorry. They lost by 15. My fault. Uh, but Maryland was ranked number 11. Maryland's a really good team. Uh, I think Nebraska's women's team is now 12-8 and eight on the year. Their men's team is 10-10. and 10. Uh, I think, or 10-11 now. I forget exact record. But um, women's team definitely has shown more promise. And it's it's just a matter of they have they've they've beat the teams they're supposed to beat and lost the teams they're supposed to lose to so it's it's a matter of they're kind of living up to their expectation and not exceeding it and not underselling it at all so I don't know what your thoughts are on this game and and this team so far this season Grandpa Yeah I don't know I uh, it's it's still too early to tell uh, you know the chicks have been playing. Well, they beat Maryland earlier in the season, if you recall. Yes, yeah. Maryland. So I'm sure Maryland wanted to you know, have a little payback here. Yeah, probably. They did. Uh, do you want to talk about some uh, Husker football recruiting? Yeah, yeah. So we had two, uh, or sorry, Rule, Matt Rule's adding even more to his 2023 class. Um, he's had two, he just had two commits from uh, Georgia kids. Uh, Eric Gilbert is a tight end. He's 6'5", 248. Uh, and then MJ Sherman, who's an edge rusher, uh, he's 6'2", 250. He had those two guys. And then they also, uh, Nebraska also hosted a, another UGA recruit over the weekend, uh, Jacob Hood. Um, he's 6'8", 350. So you, he's down from 400 pounds to 350. I cannot imagine. That is insane. But um, I don't, you know, do you know what position he happens to play, uh, Jacob Hood? Or you didn't have it I written think down anyone here. Anyone but... he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is probably along the defensive or offensive line. But uh, yeah, and then they also, uh, Cameron Lenhart, who's a, an edge rusher, 6'3, 250 from IMG Academy, which is uh, probably one of the best football high schools in the country. Uh, they also, he got him to commit back to Nebraska, which is, that's just some good news. You, it's, yeah. you yeah, get, um, I mean, I think that we had one more questions coming into our early signing day uh, back in December uh, when, when you were over at, at our house for Christmas, Grandpa, than I do right now. I'm seeing this, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I had, I, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not trying to read into this at all. This isn't anything that I'm saying, okay, this is like showing that indicating this way or whatever with the recruiting class, this is just, okay, he's just adding on to it, which is great. And I have totally, I, I have a lot of faith in Matt Rule. Uh, I think it, it's, it's slowly built up, but it's happened a lot faster than I thought it was, uh, than I thought it would. Uh, just when he came in, took over as a coaching, uh, I listened to his press conference, watched his press conference, and I got the vibe that he was kind of throwing in a lot of cliches about certain things related to Nebraska football, and I didn't really buy it. I didn't want to buy it, uh, and then he's just proven it, and I, I can't help but buy in now, and that's what you need. As Matt Rule, that's what you need from the Nebraska fan base. You need buy-in uh, because people will come to these games, and if they if Nebraska's bad this year, uh, then we might have some problems, but you got to have the buy-in now versus give it until the season, win a few games, and then you get buy-in, because that's not how you're going to keep this fan base happy with you. And I think Rule knows that. But, yeah, anything you got to say about these recruits real quick? No, I just think that uh, – well, the only thing I'd add to that is that, that uh, Rule didn't even have his staff completed. Think yeah. about that. I mean, he just added three of them just, what, maybe 10 days ago, nine, 10 days ago, something like that. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the uh, the complete staff. 
But to go out there, yeah, they they lost out on Benjamin Benhart from uh, from Pierce, Nebraska. But you know, it's um, I think they've done an amazing job. I, again, all we can do is go by what we know and what we see now. And as you said, they have not coached a play. They haven't played a game. You know, we won't find out. We'll find out more about uh, come August 31st in uh, in uh, at Minnesota. But uh, but you got to you got to salute what that staff is, what Rule and his staff have been able to do in such a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that is more impressive to me than whatever recruits they've got. Just the fact that they've been able to put the staff together so fast, as you're saying, it's just like I'm not super. I, I don't. I'm not super knowledgeable about how relatively fast that is, but I feel like that is really fast. And the recruits that they got uh, with a staff that's not even complete yet right. is is just mind blowing to me. And I assume they'll add even better. I mean, not better. You have some guys that wait until that normal signing day uh in i believe april i forget exactly when it is but um it's you have some guys that wait there and we might add some more talent there i mean we're gonna add talent there because some guys will commit but it's usually on the walk-on level the early signing days turn into the new signing day in general and it's just come down to that's where you get all your talent from because those guys just want to commit as early as possible but some of them will, will wait and i don't think there's too many big names that we're waiting on. I don't know for sure. I haven't done any research on that, so don't quote me on anything, but um, we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, speaking of the coaching staff, uh, we wanted to kind of go through the coaching staff because uh, now that it is official, as Grandpa just said, uh, with all the n- new assignments and, and new position coaches, we just wanted to go through to kind of talk about those guys and what to expect from them, what they've done so far, their relationship with Rule, uh, and, and everything along those lines. So let's start out, we'll do uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator first. Uh, obviously, Matt Rule, head coach, uh, we've talked about him uh, quite a bit, but his uh, OC is going to be Marcus Satterfield. Uh, who is he's 46 he coached at temple with matt rule he coached at baylor with matt rule and he coached at the panthers with matt rule and he's most recently was the quarterbacks coach and i believe offensive coordinator at south carolina or co-offensive coordinator something along those lines um and he's just been like he he created spencer rattler into kind of a success story i guess because he spencer rattler transferred to south carolina after Caleb Williams took his job at Oklahoma, and then Spencer Rattler already announced that he was going to transfer before Lincoln Riley took the job at USC, and all that went down. So Satterfield kind of developed him into the quarterback that he became, and he ended up winning the last two games of the season against Tennessee and Clemson, both top 10 opponents at the time. Uh, to be fair, Tennessee, Hendon Hooker did tear his ACL in that game, and they had to go. But just watching Joe Milton play, that's still a hard game to win for anyone, including this South Carolina team from last year. So kudos to Marcus Satterfield for those. Those are two huge wins. Uh, I watched part of his press conference when he got hired at Nebraska, and he was talking about the the moment, like as soon right after that Clemson win. Uh, he said that he checked his phone. He had a, he had a bunch of texts, but he saw one from Matt Rule that said, "Call me." And then uh, Rule offered him the position of offensive coordinator at Nebraska. And I I'm really excited for Satterfield. He's proven that he can work well in the SEC. Which I mean, Mark Whipple kind of was a one hit wonder with Pitt, 
in, 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 in some aspects. I think he did a fine job with the Nebraska offense last year. I'm not saying he was the reason that Nebraska couldn't score points. Nebraska scored points and scored them quickly. They had a lot of talent to work with. And Satterfield has that experience in the SEC playing and beating schools like T- Tennessee and Clemson. To be fair, Clemson is an ACC school. But he has the experience of going up against these big SEC defenses that are fast, athletic, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. What are your thoughts on Marcus Satterfield, Grandpa? I think he'll go down, uh, in, at least for a while, as in, in Husker trivia, to say who is the highest-paid Husker football assistant in school history, and that would be Marcus Satterfield at $1.4 bucks. Jeez. I, w- I would think that Bob Devaney is turning over in his grave. And Tom Osborne, he never made that kind of money when he was at Nebraska. That's true. Uh, uh, and this, this is an assistant coach, offensive coordinator, $1.4 million. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, I, that, that's, I mean, people say, well, he's not worth that. Of course he is. If somebody wants to pay you X amount of dollars for doing something, you're worth that. Because yeah. somebody's willing to pay you, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the offense runs under him, and uh, you know it's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll be, he was talking about the talent that he has, and he said he wants to build depth, a wide receiver, which kind of I, I was a little bit mind blown by that to a certain extent because it seems like we have so much depth at wide receiver, but then I forgot Trey Palmer's let, gone. Right. Um, Garcia Castaneda is gone. There's lots of. Oh no, he, Isaiah came back. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. We didn't talk about this. I didn't know that. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's back. And uh, the other thing I we didn't mention was Xavier Betts. You know, he uh, retired uh, from football last year, and then he entered this year into the transfer portal, and he ended up coming back to Nebraska. He spent an entire 22 season not playing football. He got burned out or whatever it was. I don't know what the reason was. So, yeah, Isaiah is is back, and so is Xavier Betts. So, that is huge. Yeah. That is huge. Uh, I, yeah. I did not know that until right now, but that is massive. Xavier Betts was probably – we watched him coming out of high school. You, you yeah. and I watched him in a Class A state championship – or Class B, I forget which. I think it was Class A, but um, – and he was just so uh, explosive and showed so much potential yep. that it was – it's just crazy. So that is amazing. Uh, Garcia Castaneda, first touchdown of the Nebraska season last yep. year, and then now he's going to transfer. So it must be the coaching staff. I That's just a I, sure. idea. I don't know because who would not want yeah, – yeah, what else could it be? There's been nothing else. Yeah. So who knows? That's amazing. I think that is amazing. That's great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you need to read Husker Max. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so who did your grandfather write for? <laughs> Where do you want to introduce? He's from every single episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Our defensive coordinator, who was paid uh, just slightly under Marcus Satterfield at $1 million, Tony White. Uh, he's coming from. He's he's forty three. He's coached at San Diego State, Arizona State, and Syracuse. So this is a guy that Matt Rule has never coached with, and he's giving him the defensive reins. Syracuse's defense has been pretty top notch. He he played a I think it was a three five or five three with Syracuse. I could have that totally wrong or a three three five something like that. Um, but he was talking about 
uh, in his press conference, he was talking about you use this, you use a system to benefit the players that you have. So, which is really smart from my perspective. Right. And, it makes, right. and it makes a ton of sense. A lot of these DCs like to be like, okay, I'm sticking with this one thing. I'm really good at teaching people this one way of running a defense. It works really effectively. I have all these numbers to back it up. But the problem is, what if you end up being hired at a school where the talent does not fit that? It's harder to shift now. Tony White is saying, okay, I know that this has worked for me at Syracuse. That's because the guys we had, the guys we recruited. But this is what I'm going to do at Nebraska. I'm going to take the guys that we have. We have a really strong secondary. We're going to change this whole thing around. We, we might not. We might play with five down linemen, three down linemen. We're going to have to figure it out. But it's going to be flexible, which is a huge difference than uh, Shenander, where it's kind of, here's how this is going to run. Oh, this isn't working. Let's fix a few things. Okay, now I'm fired. Like, it's like, okay you got to be flexible in fall camp, not in week four. So I, I, I'm very excited for Tony White. Um, he's, he's kind of been rising uh, among, among the ranks of defensive coordinators for these past few years. Uh, another guy from the ACC, so it seems like whatever new coaching staff we get, we have to get at least one of our OCDCs be from the ACC. But uh, it's, we'll, we'll see how this turns out. He had Syracuse's defense ranked 29th nationally last year, allowing only 338 yards a game, uh, and he led them to the pinstripe bowl, which is a uh, pretty, pretty high standard. Uh, I don't think he'll be going to the pinstripe bowl with Nebraska this year, but that, we'll, we'll see what happens in fall camp with all that. But what are your thoughts on Tony White here, Grandpa? Yeah, I think it's uh, – uh, I, I agree with you. He he likes to run the three three five, but he also has said, we, "If we get we want to run what works for our personnel, and that's that's a sign of a good coach, in my view." Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's um, move on to Donovan Riola. Yeah, this was a guy that I kind of tore down a few weeks ago, yeah. and now I I, it, I I said what I said too early. There's no, I. Uh, I, the only evidence I had was the season and the way the offensive line played. The impact that he's had on the recruiting front, however, has been huge. We've gotten some great talent on the, both the offense and defensive line because Donovan is such a great recruiter uh, for the offensive line, for both lines, really. He's, he's a great recruiter and knows what he's talking about. Kids want to play for him. He has NFL experience. He coached with the Bears. Um, there's not a lot bad I can say about him now. Um, I, I thought it was a stupid decision, but... Now seeing it from Rule's perspective, this was a really good hire and one that I don't think is going to disappoint Nebraska fans. I think the offensive line is going to play better this year. Rayola is going to be able to have a whole offseason to get with his guys, figure everything out, and get them ready for the season, get them ready to play Big Ten offensive line football. What are your thoughts on this hire? I know we talked about it a little bit, and you were kind of yeah. a little bit as shocked as I was, not not yeah, not yeah, to yeah, the yeah. same extent, but... I think if you were to take a poll of a hundred uh, Husker fans and say, before all this happened, that, that he hired, uh, you know, his staff, what, what uh, holdover, Mickey Joseph, Scott Frost, what, what holdover would would you expect that that would be there uh, that that Matt, Matt Rule would keep and uh, his coaching staff? And I think most people going through the list would probably put. Uh, Donovan Riola is maybe maybe not the bottom of their list, but pretty close to it. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it was close it, to it. It was at the bottom of my list. Yeah, it's 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 you know so that I guess I guess what you and I are saying is that 
that this really means that uh, uh, Matt Rule believes in Donovan and is a heck of a coach. So we'll support him and and everybody uh, as as we normally would. Uh, just a side note, you know that uh, Donovan's uh, nephew is Dylan Raiola, who is yes. the uh, country's number one prospect, I think, in any position, but he's a quarterback. He's a five-star uh, from Chan- Chandler, Arizona, and his dad, Dominic, was a two-time All-American center at Nebraska and played in the NFL. Great player, big fan of Husker football, obviously. So I, I wonder, I mean, this can't hurt that the kid's uncle is playing, you know, their the offensive line coach for Nebraska. Yeah. Um, do you think that affects the Nebraska's ability to attract him to, to come to Nebraska? I mean, is it a big deal or is it 50-50? What do you think? Well, I think it like results wise, he narrowed down. He announced his four schools that he's picking between. I think it was Ohio State and Ohio State, and Nebraska were definitely on there. If I had to pick between those two schools, just based off say I'm not a Nebraska fan, I'm not a fan of either of those two schools. Where am I going to go? The place has succeeded consistently and most recently. I'm definitely picking Ohio State 100 times out of 100. But I think that this relationship allows for Nebraska to have a uh, better chance of getting uh, Dylan as as a recruit because of the I mean because he's it's the it's the history part. It's why you and I have this podcast. It's why Donovan and Donovan's coaching at Nebraska right now. It's why Dominic is that's why he's telling his kid about Nebraska. I'm assu- I assuming that um, as as we've had many of our interviewees talk about that they don't want to push their kids to go to Nebraska, but they're hoping right. in their heart that they end up going to Nebraska and and luckily right. some of them do. Um, so I think it's that kind of situation where it's I I imagine that Dominic's in his mind, probably pushing pretty strong for Nebraska, but he's going to let Dylan make his own decision as, as to that and what's going to fit him best. But I think that Nebraska, as you said, giving odds for this, I, don't, I want to say it's 60-40 in favor of Nebraska just because the relationships and he's had and this new coaching staff and his uncle's on the, this new coaching staff and and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe another reason that Rule kept Ryle, Donovan Raiola on is because of Dylan. I don't know. Um, that might be something that maybe he didn't tell Donovan about, but something that was a strategic uh, move. He he I, he wanted Donovan for the offensive line recruitment. I can easily see that after signing day, but he might have been it, it might have been because he wanted Donovan to uh, pull Dylan a little bit and and have that family connection at Nebraska. So um, we'll see. He will commit. He's a class of twenty twenty four recruit, so he's my age. Is that right? Okay. Um, so yeah, he'll we'll see what he does in the coming year and visits and all that kind of stuff. He was at the spring game last year. He was he made some visits in Nebraska before, so he's definitely interested. We'll just have to see how it pans out with him. Uh, let's move on to EJ Barthel, who's the running backs coach. Uh, he was a offensive assistant at the with the Panthers uh, when when Rule was there, and then he left and went to UConn and kind of helped revamp that entire program. UConn ends up going to a bowl game and he kind of brings in a lot of talent. We got a running back. Uh, I, I believe his name was Quinn Ives or something like that from New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. 
who EJ Barthlett seen in a running backs camp and then decided to bring to Nebraska. So he's obviously had a clear impact on the recruiting front. What are your thoughts on him, Grandpa? You know, we, we won't know until, you know, the first few games, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's 38 years old. Uh, and what's, what's key to that is uh, rural staff is on, you take the average age of these 10 coaches and they turn out to be 38.5 years average age. And so EJ is right on that. He has enough uh, seasoning behind him and enough youth, enough youth behind him that that uh, you know I think he's going to make it a, a I think he'll be a great coach for Nebraska. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll have to see, as you said. Yeah, uh, let's move on to the defensive line. Definitely the uh, most fun name out of out of all our coaches. We have Terrence <laughs> Potroast Knightington, uh, who's our defensive line coach. He's thirty six. He played for uh, the Jaguars, the Broncos, and the Washington Redskins um, in in the NFL. Uh, he coached as an assistant D line at the Panthers with Rule. Um, so that's kind of the experience that they've had together. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? What do you know about him? Anything else? You know, yeah, you got to love his his nickname, Pot Roast. And he, I think one time he was, I think he was at 400, 6'3", 350. Now that was his playing time. I don't know what he weighs now, but yeah, uh, he's another youngster, 36 years old. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, we can't get much worse than where this program has been. People want to say, well, gee, they got rid of so-and-so and, and, you know, okay. Yeah. But what was, what's been the record of, of those coaches who've been here? And so let's let's go. I'm I'm backing Terrence Knighton, and um, I'm going to help him as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I, I think that he's the defensive line, offensive line are probably two of the most important. Uh, aspects, at least from rules words of what he's looking to do in Nebraska, just build that solid foundation. And he would not hire these guys that didn't know what they were doing. So right. um, I, I'm sure that I haven't heard this Darren's Knighton's name before. I've never, I mean, he was, uh, he played under rule at Temple. So they have that relationship. Right. But I haven't heard anything else about him. So I assume that rules taking, I mean, rules taking this as, as he should as a coach and, has made the right decision, I assume, uh, from what he knows and the guys that were willing to come to Nebraska that he could get uh, along that defensive line coach. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Ed Foley is the special teams coach. He's 55. I think he's he's the oldest in the staff yes. by by a yeah. bit, by by uh, nine years or so, um, not, not counting rule. But uh, he coached with Royal Temple, Baylor, and the Panthers. He's kind of – he's special teams, but he also is a great, great recruiter, which is why uh, Royal wanted him more than the special teams thing, I think, uh, where – I mean, special teams, is, it's not like a throwaway thing, um, but it's not something that requires a ton of work from what I understand. Um, but he's, he's a great recruiter as well, which has helped us out a lot, as, we, as you've seen from the signing day and all that. I, uh, I got to meet uh, Ed uh, at a, an event here in Omaha and uh, was blown away. He's, uh, if you think of the Energizer Bunny, he's, uh, he's 55, but he's, he has the energy. He's 25. <laughs> Very dynamic guy. Uh, you, get a, you get a sense that he is the real deal. What you see is what you get. Uh, he did something, and this is a, 
uh, he was at the Shrine uh, football banquet that there are five of those a year. And I've been going to those things for probably 20 years, something like that. Back uh, when they used to allow assistant coaches to to come to the banquet and speak, uh, just the, I don't know, they just have not done it in over the past probably 10, 15 years, something like that. So Ed comes here and, uh, the deal is you everybody eats dinner first and then then the speaker gets up and speaks. Well, Ed, he got done eating early or whatever, and he went around to different tables where they had like a chair that was empty. And he sat down with them and he was he sat down in the table just next to me and he, they were just BSing and having a it was like you've known this guy for all your life. And nobody has done that before. Nobody. Every assistant coach I've ever seen there has never done that. Never, they're they're cordial and they're polite and all that, but they don't go out of their way to sit at a table uh, with Husker fans. Yeah. And uh, and the other thing that when he did get up to speak, instead of standing by the podium, he grabs you know a remote microphone and he walks clear through the audience. The all he struts back and forth, going around tables and and uh, nobody has done that. Uh, and so I asked him, I, I, one of the questions I asked him, I said, uh, what do Husker fans need to know about Matt rule? And he went on a lengthy response about everything, all the character things that, that Matt is about and talked about his, uh, he's a visionary. He's thinking so far ahead of, you know, and he named some, some issues there, um, talked about, uh, what what uh, Matt has done is he's divided the team into, I think there's 12 teams or there's 10 teams of 12 players. I think that's what it is. And each of them is responsible for uh, their own group. Uh, and they get points if they go like to a, a Husker basketball game, they get, uh, you know, if they go to a girls basketball, go to a volleyball game or whatever, and then they get docked if they're late for, for uh, practice or they miss a meal or something like that. So it's a, you know, they're, they're competitive within their separate units. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it's team building. Um, So, and and he talked about, he got into some X's and O's about punt returning. And one of the things, and this just brought the, the, there are about 250 people there, brought them to their feet was he says, we are not going to fair catch the freaking football. <laughs> Everybody just yelled and yay. So it was, it was really cool. He was, uh, uh, and then he, he works, he works hard. He goes out to Grand Island. He was telling us that he uh, got to meet with uh, uh, Sam Foltz's family. Mm-hmm. near Grand Island. And yeah. uh, he, nobody does that. No. You know, Sam died, I don't know how many years ago. Yeah, four and, or five, I think. Yeah, and his and his family has not heard one word from any of the coaches. Yep. And so, what does he do? He goes out there. He's special teams coach. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at you look at some of the little things that uh, this staff is doing. And and, and Matt, uh, I know we're going to be running out of time here pretty soon, so we're going to have to wrap this thing up. But Matt, when he went out to Pierce, Nebraska, to to see the tight end out there, which we ended up not getting. He, he goes out of his way and meets Matt Herrian. Matt Herrian was a great tight end for Nebraska. Matt doesn't have any uh, eligibility left. You know, so he yeah. goes out there to make a courtesy call. And I thought, 
That is so classy. Yeah. Who does who does that anymore? Nobody yeah. does. Yeah, this coaching staff is very thing. special. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't coached a, a game or a, a down of football. We haven't even seen anything in spring practice or spring game. But you start looking at these little things, and you say, "Wow, this uh, this is not just another coaching staff." I don't believe. We'll we'll find out in a year from now, I think. But yeah, I, I was blown away by that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting story. And as you said, this coaching staff is like no other. There's all these little things that they do that is just mind-blowing that anyone would right. do that, especially coaching staffs. But, yeah, let's just run through real quick the other four guys that we didn't get to with. Evan Cooper is 35. He's on the DBs. Uh, he's been with Matt Rule for 10 consecutive years. He's kind of a film junkie is what he described himself as, yeah. and uh, he's very excited to be coaching these guys. He's seen a lot of potential. Uh, Mark Wager's interesting. Uh, Wager, is that Wager. Wager. Wager, okay. Uh, he's the tight ends coach. He's 41 he's never coached in college he's been a high school coach at martin high school in texas uh he has a 200 206 and 100 record there which is uh very impressive uh and then garrett mcguire is 23 we've talked about him he's probably the youngest football assistant in husker history that has a, a, a job just absolutely crazy uh, and then rob dvorak is the linebacker coach he's 28 still pretty young he was a player at temple when rule was there uh, and then he followed him to baylor and the panthers anything you got to say about these guys before we wrap it up here Grandpa? No, it's, all it's right a young staff and they work their tails off and i'm excited i can't wait it's uh october or excuse me august 31st can't get here fast enough yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, that is it for us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone about the podcast. We thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, hit us up at hbthpodcast at protonmail.com. Uh, other than that, we will talk to you guys next week. Have a great week. And as always, go Big Red. <laughs>